it's Joan, and I'm here this week with episode two of season three, The Drive. And this week we have an awesome guest. Her name is Miss Renee Thompson. Renee and Jim live outside of West Branch, and you might have known them from Thompson Pig Genetics. Um, but Renee really stood out to me as someone I had to talk to on the podcast because of the work she does as an FFA advisor. I know the podcast is called Ladies in the Lead. She stock shows. And when I asked Renee to be on the show, she was almost a little hesitant because she's like, well, I don't show pigs. I don't do this and or do the stock show thing. And I'm so glad she said yes, because I can't wait for you to understand a little bit more about my perceptions of this community of stock show and how it includes really impactful leaders and advisors, and particularly somebody like Renee. Renee has been the FFA advisor at West Branch for over 13 years. Her and Jim provide an opportunity to her students so that they can come to their farm, have an opportunity to connect with livestock, whether that's chickens or, or maybe a milking goat or pigs, and then really mentor these kids and take them under their wing and teach them what, you know, what partnering with the ag industry is all about, like what it means to care for something, what it means to commit to something, and gives these kids opportunities to go out and have experiences they've never had before. She looks at it as just, she she looks at it very much like, I know it's a gift, I know it's a special thing we're doing, but over the 13 years, she's kind of taken it for granted too, that she doesn't see as exceptional. I hope people, when you get done listening to this, you can hear how her world has been an inclusive one. She talks about this bubble she had growing up and how ag opened it up for her, how stock show opened it up for her. And I think she does that same thing by her teaching is opening up people and, you know, allowing these 14 to 18 year olds really to have a whole new, um, I would say a whole new vision of the world. So it's just a cool conversation. I absolutely am so grateful she said yes. I can't wait for you guys to listen to what drives her. Of course, any good teacher, I I just love her answer. And and being a leader myself, I love it that we talk about serving and leadership, having transparency and leadership. And gosh, it's good. I don't want to ruin it. You guys can listen to the episode and catch out all the great stuff. So let's get started. Let's get started. You guys, Renee Thompson... West Branch, Iowa, this week's Ladies in the Lead. Enjoy. That's what I'm... Do you think that's, like, a big thing? Like, when I asked you, were you worried about that? Yes. Uh, I, I was, like... Oddly enough, like, I was, like, well, I'm not... I'm not actively showing or had a huge career in that or... I don't know. So, uh, I do feel better after listening to several of the podcasts. Um, 
knowing so, that if there is diverse it is backgrounds. a total diversity that's what i love about this podcast is that when i when we when i started out i really didn't want it just to be like a 16 year old girl who's winning grand champion every week right like i wanted it to be about women who are just doing their thing and they're doing it at an excellent level and they're just having this impact that happens to also include stock show and so well, I'm excited I, to have I you. I appreciate that. And I, I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here. I'm like, this is such a great conversation. And I was like, we are sitting in your home in West Branch, Iowa, right to the north of town. If you don't, and um, this is where all the magic happens, right? Oh, all the magic. <laughs> yes. We're living Every- in complete bliss <laughs> out here. All right. So for those of you, those of my listeners who don't know you, tell me a little bit about um, what you do now. Sure. And where you're at. So I teach agriculture education at West Branch High School, and I'm the FFA advisor. Uh, How long have you been there? Ooh, 13 years. Which I don't like, I don't, I can't believe. Okay, so was this your first, this wasn't your first stop though, was it? Like, this is, was my first full-time teaching position. Okay. For one year out of college, I did substitute teach back more towards, we lived in Nevada. I got okay. married right out of college. My husband... Aww. Jim and you? Yes. Jim had graduated a year and a half before me, so he had, like, a job already, you know, mm-hmm. in State Center. So it was kind of limited in terms of where I could apply for jobs. Yeah. But then within that next year, the West Branch position came open. It's close enough to where I grew up that it made sense to maybe move back here. And his job started to be more flexible as a, mm-hmm. you know, he was a liaison, so he went to different farms for the company he worked for. So he was kind of traveling anyway, so he could do a lot of his work from home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean... So you applied. I, I applied and got an interview right away, and I've been there ever since. 13 years. It's it's hard for me to admit that, because I, I, I haven't gotten any older. No, so... You don't look any older. So obviously. it's really hard to uh, picture <laughs> that it's been 13 years. Because just yeah. think about your seniors were kindergartners. Right? I, That's the hardest thing, like, I think... To me, I'm not a teacher, but when I see teachers... Because you teach the same age kids all the time, right? So you never age. They just keep filling in. Yes. Like the same yes. sixteen-year-olds are always. I mean, there's always a sixteen-year-old there. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to feel like they're growing up in front of my eyes. They come in at that age, and then they go. They're there. Yeah. yeah. They're just there. Yeah. But then I see some of my. Of course, also when you start teaching, you're not that much older. No. Than a high schooler. That's if so, you're teaching high school. Because I said to Brooklyn Curtin, who is yes. your student teacher this semester. Yes. I said, God, I hope they know you're the teacher and not the student. Because she's tiny yes. as a person. Yeah, you know? absolutely. They'll oh. walk in and they'll pr- probably say, "Yeah, I had that, of course, when I started teaching. Yeah. Of like, is your teacher with you? <laughs> I'm right here in front of you. <laughs> Hi. It's me. Um, but yeah, so it, you, I do feel like they, in a way, keep me young Yeah. in, in terms of. Yeah, there's just always a, a fresh supply of 14 was, through 18-year-olds. Like, <laughs> keep filing it. You went to Iowa State, right? I did. So did you, what did you major in when you were there? Well, initially, I had no intention of being a teacher. I was um, there for... <laughs> Which uh, all good teachers say. It's, I, it's yeah. so weird how fate works out. But um, I was a microbiology major for um, three years mm-hmm. before I changed to ag ed. Um, so, I got a couple of, well, actually three different lab jobs over the, that those three years, mm-hmm. and just kind of figured out that 
that small environment and repetitious work and a lot of scientists are not super personal yeah yeah i worked in a church lab oh yeah for my senior year at iowa state yeah i was with you i was like oh this is not yeah i'm just too i gotta be out right about too much yeah like and i I can't relate to people who don't want to talk to me so um (laughs) i was like i don't think that i can i don't think this is what i want to do with my life and i agad had always kind of maybe been on the on my mind, I guess. I really had a great experience in high school with my ag teacher. Um, I went to Mid Prairie High School, so mm-hmm. Elsa Schmidt was my ag teacher. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. She was new, um, not a new teacher, but she came to Mid Prairie High School my freshman year. So we like started together um, there. And so I, I don't know. I don't know really what made me change except for those three lab jobs and ultimately like organic chemistry. Oh, okay. I got through the I got through the first one, but the second one I was like, I is tough. I cannot do this, and I found out also it's a weed out for medical school. Yes. Why didn't we talk about that? I didn't even want to go to medical school. I just wanted to have a major and get out of here. I think, but it was worth it. I think it was worth it. So you went up Mid Prairie. Yes. Grew up where? So my parents live still in the house I grew up in um, on Highway One. It's a about halfway between Kelowna and Iowa City. So right I don't there, know if you know Highway 1. Yeah. Uh, it kind of goes out of Iowa City east and west. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big curve that right. sends it north and south. They live right before that curve. Awesome. So Would I you- always said in the middle of nowhere but on the way to somewhere. Yes. Well, right. Very conveniently located. Okay. Kelowna is like, if you're in the ag industry at all in eastern Iowa, I think Kelowna is like the best sale barn. Yes. Fun experiences you can ever have. Yes. So we always start that way because it's more fun to drive that way than to drive to the interstate and cut over through, you know, boring that way. Yes. Much better than I went. So I've probably been driving by your oh. folks' place for my whole life. I guarantee you. I know. Yes. So, yes. okay. What did you do for ag in FFA? You said you had a great experience. Was it the teacher? Were you involved in activities? Was it, what made it so special? Um, all of it. All of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so my parents, um, just to give some background, yeah. my mom grew up in town. Yeah. Um, my dad is, uh, beachy Amish is yeah. what we would call them. <laughs> not, not Mennonite, not Amish. It's like the middle ground between the two. One of 10 kids. They didn't go to school past the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And when he and my mom met, he was working for my grandfather on their dairy farm. Fast forward, I guess yeah. a little bit. They moved to, they bought a farm, got beef cattle. When it was time for me to maybe join 4-H, my parents had never been in 4-H. Nobody knew really what it was, but we had family friends who were like, you need to join 4-H. Yeah. You will like it. You can show those cows. Yeah. Perfect. Um, So I did. And after that, really enjoyed that. We didn't win anything. Um, They were literally feedlot steers that... You were raising, I would, yeah, yeah. We were raising anyway, and they were definitely not show cattle by any means. But by the time um, I was in high school, same family friend was like, "You have to do FFA." And I remember my mom saying, "That's not for girls." And boy, did she learn a lot. I mean, she would tell you right now, she's a big, big supporter of FFA and all of the things that it did for myself and my three siblings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she said. That's that's just for boys. Because it was when she was in high school. Right. Like, yeah. girls took home ag. Guys yeah. took mechanics and ag. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you didn't do it. She yeah. was like, I mean, there was a couple girls in, but not really. It's for boys. I'm so happy I did it. Yeah. And I would say my great experience was everything. So 
yes, I could have just continued showing things through 4-H, but I think the more connections you make, the more opportunities you see. So I did career development events, livestock judging, and I did um, leadership development events where I learned how to talk in front of people and, and um, meet new people without... I used to have a very big bubble, I guess yeah. I would say, like, please don't stand near me, please don't talk to me, <laughs> and which is so hard for me to, because to me, you're really, you're really inviting, and you're warm and welcoming, but I mean, I mean, I just, because I know you, and I see you at the fair, and you know, that's just kind of, we're in our, that's our favorite spaces, so it's yes. easy to be that way, so I can, you know, maybe if you weren't always like that, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't, and I think FFA had a big part in helping me see that relationships were really important, mm -hmm. and that... Beyond that, speaking of yeah. fair, when you're around like-minded people or people who enjoy the same things as you, it's, it's it becomes very easy to be warm and inviting and, yeah. and talk to people because... You're speaking the same language. Yes. That's what I always say. It's like if you feel understood. Yes. Yeah. basis of, yeah. like, oh, we're all here to, yeah. to do this. Like if you show up and you have just a little hog poop in your hair. Right. Nobody judges you. Right. They're like, oh, me too. It's like, like a Little cattle poop traping off of my shoes. Yeah. yeah. I still have that at work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like walking with my boots. I'm like, hey, had to go to the barn this morning. Sorry. Yeah. I tried to thunk it off, but you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Or you're late because you had to go in the barn for yeah. half an hour to assist with something that could not be put off. Yeah. There's that basis of understanding that I yeah. think is. It opens doors and it open it takes down the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. She invited people in. In, and they were really connected. They must have connected in high school with others. Yes. Oh, and yeah. with your teacher. Yes. yes. And it's a little bit less so than it would be today. I noticed kids because they have... I didn't get a cell phone until I went to college. <laughs> and even then, it was, you know, SMS texting. Uh, I, you had to pay per text, I think. Yes. Right? Like a penny per text or something. Like the little Nokia. You can't mm. break it. The screen was like an inch by an inch or whatever. Yes. And the world that kids today see, th their connections are so much broader. I mean, so yes, I made connections, and, but it was still really mostly within my own school, mm -hmm. like my own chapter. I would meet some people from other chapters. Thought always thought it was really cool to meet like the state officers. That was always a really big deal. Mm -hmm. I can still remember like I met Rob Rudolphy oh my goodness like he's the state president so shout out to him yeah like <laughs> that was my connection in terms of outside of my chapter was kind of limited and now these kids have yeah every opportunity to reach out and and meet other people past that and and you see it too yeah. they're like oh my friend from Indiana or yeah. Ohio or yep. Oklahoma or I met him at national convention and now we Snapchat all yes. the time or yeah. Yes. I know. Absolutely. And yeah, or I know them I follow their, you know, their YouTube channel on mm -hmm. goats or I do this or that. And they know them before they even meet them. Right. Or they think they know them, you know, whatever kind of thing. Yes. So, yeah. Absolutely. So you go through high school, you have this great experience. You end up at Iowa State. You know, if your dad really wasn't um, educated maybe past eighth grade or the expectation, was it always an expectation in your family that everybody's gonna go to college and have additional learning or was that an exception so I, I will say my dad when he turned 40 got his GED so that he could awesome. advance in his job yeah um he's very 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 smart yeah like oh sometimes yeah. I'm amazed at like and I remember thinking, there, like, like it, it wasn't probably I mean that was 
his environment he grew up in. That was the culture. Yes. That was just what it was. It wasn't like that he chose to, you know, like... Right. It was just what it was. Yes. And even outside of that culture, he was still able to get, like, when he was no longer riding the dairy farm, like, he was able to get jobs. Right. And I think kids are very limited sometimes now. Like, you need a high school diploma to get Mm -hmm. a job, even. So, um... I would not say, I was not discouraged from getting an education. I was not pushed into getting an education. But the environment at Mid Prairie High School at the time was nobody asked if you were going to college. It was where. Yeah. Where are you going to college? And I knew that I wanted to have a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, That mattered to me. I I don't know if it was a pride thing or or what it was. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of an expectation in the community. I don't necessarily know that it was in my own home. Yeah. I think my parents wanted me to go to college, but yeah. it was never like, you will. Yeah. Like, you have to. Um, it was more like, just, oh, what did, here's the next step. This is what we're yeah, doing. What I are you going to so do? I think common, you know, that expectation that we will. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and I think there's a lot of kids or young adults or even adults that still struggle with maybe that wasn't the best choice or maybe that's not the best path. And I think as society as a whole, we're coming back around to, Hey, trade schools are an option. Hey, work is an option. The military is an option. You know, like those kind of things. But I agree. Like when you and I were in school, I'm a little older than you. But for me, it was not if, but where. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity to go to college and get my secondary education, you know, second education further and all those things. But it's interesting now, I think, how it's even turning a little bit in society for yes. our seniors yes. to reopen up an opportunity to go different places. It's definitely, yeah. especially this year I noticed, last year a little bit, but like there is much more broad, you know, we make sure when we're talking about our a, our course that it used to be called college readiness, well now it's called career and college readiness, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't have to go to a university. You, you can, that's yeah. great. If it's not for you, That's a good what, 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 what a waste of funds. Like, let's not send yeah. you there to figure that out while you're paying that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I'm very, very happy for that. I do hope we continue to push kids to their full potential. Yeah. Like, well, you really yeah, should consider some training, a certificate of some kind. Yeah. Even though school's not your thing, you're capable right. of that. But at the same time, yeah, let's not... Let's not spend thousands of dollars to figure out that that's not for you. Right. Yeah. So the, la- the podcast is called Ladies in the Lead, She Stock Shows. So somebody came up to you and said, Renee, you stock show. How would you define that for yourself, being who you are now and what you do now? How would you see yourself included in that? This is funny because I was thinking about what is my role if, if we're showing. Yeah. And I mean personally with my family. And then I'll talk about as a teacher as well. My job in the family role is to make sure the children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, You know, like Carter. Yeah. It's time to walk and wash and you need to... It's my job to bring the food, um, bring the toys to distract the small people. Yes. Organization is my job. The actual animal side of things, you know, Jim is out, I don't know concocting feed rations for these show pigs and everybody has their own diet and all that and um 
helping clip or, or whatever. That's all him. I, but I might have to make sure that the, uh, clipper oil is in the back. lined up or <laughs> so my job is very much like background, I think. Yeah. Um, and then of course to, I, I often think it might be my role to help my son understand how to win graciously and how to lose and be okay with it. Yeah. Um, and how to set reasonable expectations. Like, you're not always going to be able to walk away with... I think it will be hardest with my youngest, because she really struggles with with that. Uh, she did not get a trophy at the tractor pull this year. She was very upset. Um, so, uh, you know, just, just how do we raise responsible kids who understand the importance of hard work and then how to appreciate when it pays off and how to appreciate when it doesn't, you know, how to learn from that. In my role as a teacher at Stock Shows, I have a very, very supportive husband in terms of that. Mm -hmm. And we've been very, very blessed, I think, to have found this property and had the support from his former employer who is now retired and then his co-partner who he farmed with because we're slowly buying into that farm. So mm-hmm. we have so been able to purchase small chunks rather than investing in all the millions at once. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know how that's possible. I don't think that you... <laughs> maybe hard. you can, but... Um, it's hard. Let's just go with that. Yeah. It's a limiting factor for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. We've been very, very blessed. And in terms of that, he grew up in town, and his ag teacher provided him with the opportunity to have pigs and chickens, which he, he could probably tell you some funny stories about the chicken thing but on their on his his farm his mm-hmm. ag teacher was Doug Dodd he no longer teaches but allowed him to have that experience so that's something that he and I agreed we would really love to do mm-hmm. um, and so it is our goal to have at least one kid out here that does not have the space to have animals um, to raise them here learn about the industry and he will work one-on-one with them to teach teach them that stuff. And then in turn, like, as much as maybe the kids feel like it has benefited them, it has benefited us mm. even more. Yeah. So for those who don't know, you have, like, a hog confinement building, right? Or, like, something like that, like an enclosed building? Yes. Um, uh-huh. And then just finishing being enclosed. Yeah. We have... 15 to 20 sows that we farrow, show sows that we farrow every year across the road. Um, And then, but, so he farrows over there, we get them to weaning weight, and then, like, he'll have online sales in March. I think, usually he does about two Mm -hmm. online sales, and he'll have people come out um, and look and just purchase off-farm. And then, whatever's left, that's what uh, the FFA kids and my son get to... Pick from. Pick from. And then we bring those that they're going to raise over to this. We call it the show barn. It's it's nothing fancy. Yeah, it's just a... It's an old confinement that has been... Adjusted. Yeah. To make, to make it work. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. And then how many, like, how many of your students take you up on that? So it depends on the year. Um, we have always had at least one. I don't know about this year. It's always been offered. Um, I did have... Uh, so, sorry, excuse me. A yeah. girl that had uh, goats, mm-hmm. and they were dairy goats. Um, ultimately, we discovered we're really more of a seasonal 
operation. Um, so they did have to go live elsewhere eventually, but everybody else has been pigs. Well, I think it works. I mean, if Jim and you are like furnishing the space and that's kind of your guys' specialty. Yeah. And what you kind of, you know, focus on, it's easy to see why they would choose pigs. I mean, yes. you have the expertise in house versus dairy goats. I, I've shown a lot, but I've never shown a dairy goat. So no, and I did not have a lot of experience and <laughs> I would be a little challenged. I'm like, I'd be like, okay, kind of thing. We can try or whatever. Yes. But yeah, we learned together. I think I would take on kids with, with meat goats. Yeah. Um, that we could, you know, again, the season, yes, it's like, the, the seasonality of it rather than urban, you know, Kansas City kind of thing. We're done. We can wrap that up. Yes. Move that along. I don't know. We're crazy. We've also done, so there was one point we had, I think it was 10 kids all together out here because we also had, um, we did the Iowa State Fair market broiler program. Mm -hmm. So we raised chickens and we actually did it in the same barn. We just enclosed a pen and so those kids all it works out really nice when they get to alternate chores. Yeah. You know, if there's, yeah. there, I think there was eight of them doing that, you know, only every eighth day you had to come out and do your chores, do those yeah. chores. Um, so that worked out pretty well. Basically we look at it as it's our job to provide the opportunity and we will match you in effort. We will put forth as much effort as you do towards this program. Mm -hmm. And we've been very lucky and had really, really great kids out here and really really great parent support like mm -hmm. from from those parents it's it's been great I don't know and what a great like environment for your kids to be raised oh in. yeah because not only is it teaching your kids that there's opportunities around us all around us for different things but that these kids come back and can relate to your kids and they get to know other people outside of your bubble you know, like these are town kids or these are kids that don't have a farm or, you know, like you're growing up on the farm or these are kids that are learning right along with yours side by side. Or maybe they have an interest now that you would have never exposed your kids to. You know, maybe it's the chickens. I mean, Jim had a passion for chickens, but let's just say like maybe it's no, chickens or maybe I would not say it was a passion for chickens. Maybe, or maybe it's the dairy yeah. goats. But isn't that what stock show is all about, right? Yes. Isn't that what this whole environment that we're in is really about is providing opportunities for people to match our effort, match our passions and to partner up and grow up in it. And what a critical time, like between ages 14 and 18 to offer that when a lot of people are turning away from those kids or maybe they don't have, don't feel like they can connect to them. What an opportunity to find a space to connect with them. I mean, I grew up in, with the mentality that the fun was in the work. And my dad taught us, like, we're going to go do the work. And we farrowed pigs when I was in high school. And so we had to clean sow pens. I mean, there's nothing funner than cleaning sow pens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let oh, me tell glass. you. Yeah. And, you know, but we did it together as a family. We had great conversations, you know, and to think about that you're doing that every year, you're offering it. And I know these kids are telling this next kids. And I yes. know your fifth and sixth and seventh graders are looking at their brothers and sisters and they're like, okay, I'm going to have Mrs. Thompson. I'm going to be an FFA. I'm going to be showing a pig or I'm going to learn or I'm going to do this. I mean, just think about that. That's huge. Yes. Right? Yes, it is. And, and I think those connections also last a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that also at some point with, even, even if this is not the industry they choose, right? That they'll look back and be like, that's a skill I have because of, of this. I mean, 
uh, even when we're fixing up the barn, we've got kids out there learning electrical or yeah. or plumbing, how to put in those automatic waterers. Or I, I just think there's so many skill development opportunities on a farm that that we or I personally took for granted. Like, yeah, like I did too. I I knew how to do things because we just did them. Well, we had to. Yeah, like we had to do them. Yeah. Okay. One of the things I was take for granted was we grew up driving tractors from, I mean, okay, when we could mow the yard, my mom had us mowing the yard, okay, which is form of a clutch and a brake. Yeah, did you have to sit on bricks? No. Because you weren't heavy enough for the seat? (laughs) I did. My little snapper didn't have that feature. All right, we were just having to get started and went, all right? Sure. But then, like, some of the limiting factors that I think that keep people, some people, from really evolving in stock show are things that we've taken for granted because we had the opportunity to grow up on the farm. Yes. I learned how to drive a stick shift, how to take the tractor around, how to do field work, how to pitch shit, move it around, mm-hmm. you know, how to work with livestock, like the little things. I remember one time letting, I mean, we used to let the sows out of crates, put the boars in at night. I mean, I was 10 years old. I mean, you know, people now yeah. think, I'm not sure I let my 10-year-old do that. But it set me up for when it was time to, you know, get into stock show or do that commitment, that level that it took to F, to ask to escalate the project to make it better. I think it, I knew the little details. Some of these kids have never even had to take care of a pet, no. or even take out the trash, or you know, just because of the way that family dynamics work. So they come in. Are they just like all gung ho in, or are they more hesitant? And you're like, okay, here's what we do. We like go step by step. Very much depends on the personality of the kid and their background. Um, I will say that uh, we've had both. Yeah, we've had kids like ready to go, and then we've had kids that are like a little bit more. Um, I guess we use hand holding or yeah. or training involved. Yeah, but in the end, I think all of them ha- thus far have been what I would call capable. Yeah, like they they come out able to do the work. what they need to do. Yeah, and it's an amazing process to watch, and I I have to laugh. I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking back about I, I literally sat on bricks. Because it wasn't heavy enough for my lawnmower, <laughs> but I was mowing that lawn, and I, mean, I loved even it. The little things like so awesome about it. How to fill the gas tank? Yep. I mean, those are like little things we just take for granted that we're taught, or we learned. And maybe we were taught, but we learned. Right. Or a flat tire to identify it, or you know, on the hay rack, or whatever you know. Yes. And we always just, when the work had to be done, we did the work. It wasn't about who was going to do it, and so I think it's easy for us to transition into doing more as adults because we just that's how we were raised yeah. you know that's yeah. what it was so it's so cool to see just that figured it out what do you think is the hardest part for the kids at the end of the program is it letting go of the pig is it thinking that it's over or are they relieved that or what do you think it is at the end people always at work are like how can you sell your cows how can you eat i mean they call them cows my steers right how can you eat your projects i'm like okay they're market animals right they go in the herd or whatever do the kids come in with that, like, in kind of... Again, mixed bag of, of yeah. feelings. I would say, for the most part, they know that there's a finality to the season. So they're aware that that's coming. Really, the only the only upset that I've seen was that from a sibling. Yeah. Because um, they come out here with their Brother siblings, or, yeah. you know, walk the pigs and get to know them. And they we were not allowed to tell her that... She was consuming products <laughs> from a project. I think we've all been there. We've all um, done it. Yeah. But, and 
I don't know. We all had those experiences, right? Like I have a picture uh, of a my favorite steer, yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, um, <laughs> from when I showed. I, we all have like that a yeah. special bond with something that we did not want to see go. I was so upset when my husband sold one of our boars that we were keeping out here. He was my favorite. His name was Skidmark, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible name, but. Um, <laughs> I loved him. I didn't yeah. know he was going down the road, and I was sad. Yeah. But at the same time, there's an expectation that it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think I think we do a good job, maybe, of setting up the less experienced kids with that. Yeah. I they was laughing yeah. at Katie Edge. Yeah. She showed the FFA side of things at the state fair. We don't have like a show steer. Yeah. Category. It's it's a kill show. Beef of merit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they get on the truck right after, and I was taking pictures like a good FFA advisor of her in the show ring and then her walking onto the truck, and she had the biggest smile on her face, and the girl directly behind her in the photo is bawling. And I was like, I don't know. This picture shows a wide range of emotions when it comes to livestock shows. And she just, she was like, I, I, like, I knew that I was going to have to do that. And I, I was kind of glad to be done with the season at that point. I was kind of tired of working on that last year. So, And there are some. Yeah. That we are like. Oh, yeah. You're like. Absolutely. I know. That's good. I think it's just such a, not every FFA chapter has that. And I know it's part because of who you're married to. But if you guys were on the team and you weren't open to it as a teacher, because you have to really manage it in the classroom, it wouldn't happen. I mean, your students wouldn't have, you wouldn't make the bridge. No. And you, I mean, you should be really proud that you're willing to take that on for them and to expose them to it and bring them out here. Because you're a big part of it. You're the connection that brings it together. Um, One of the things I love to find out about from my guests. Last season, I would have said, what do you think your edge is? What do you think it makes you different that elevates your game? That makes Mrs. Thompson a really good FFA advisor. But instead, this season's called The Drive. What do you think gives you the drive to be a better FFA advisor, to provide opportunities like that? I've had, I had a conversation with somebody recently literally about drive, about, about grit, about like what makes you want to succeed. And my answer is... I don't know. I know that what makes me feel successful is when my students are successful. And what makes me feel unsuccessful is when they are not. So I guess the drive to offer them more opportunities is the ag room is a very diverse place. And it is my goal always that each person that comes in there feels like there is something about it that they relate to or belong to. So the more opportunities I can offer, the more likely I am to meet those needs, I guess. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, Um, interesting. So my drive is that they be successful. Mm -hmm. And my own children, too. I don't necessarily... This is weird. Like, in terms of stock shows, I don't necessarily feel more successful as an ag teacher when my students win versus just the fact that they are there. And they're doing the work and they're, whether or not they're working with us here at home or they have their own stuff at their house, just the fact that they are trying it, you know, we have like, yeah. you don't grow in your own comfort zone, right? Right. So if I can push people outside their comfort zone and help them be successful, then I'm successful. Yeah. That's good. 
Yeah. We, I was just talking about this with my son, who we were talking about, how, you know, the fear of the unknown. Like, the fear of, the, there's a comfort of living what you know and what to do, and then there's that fear of the unknown, right? But if you never step out, never ask, never go find out, you're always stuck in this spot. And it's, it's, a, it's just scary to me to be stuck in the same spot more so than to push yourself out and to go find out. Because like, he was questioning a little bit about asking for an internship from this summer from a complete stranger. And I was like, no, that is something that that person would receive as a compliment. I would receive it as a compliment. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, Joan, I want to work with you. And I'm sure you see this in your students. They yes. come up to you and like, hey, Mrs. Thompson, I want to work with you. I want to work out the farm. You see that as a compliment, yeah. not as something like, oh. Like, you know, oh, that's something I can't handle right now. So the drive... No, I'm like, yeah. I'm flattered. Yes, yes, let's do it. So I see a drive in us to keep providing those opportunities and keeping the bubble we talked about earlier down. Yes. So that we are approachable and can really provide opportunities. And that with you, like, if I can make somebody more successful and reflect, that's what I think a lot about this podcast is people will say to me things about, oh, Joan, it must be so fun to, you know, have people listening to your conversations or listening to what you're doing and like oh no no it's not about me it's about lifting up these women that are doing the work and being successful and discovering what they're doing and getting all the love back to them and I'm like it just so happens I get to be the one to have the conversation with sure. them it's so fun you yeah. know like that and I see that with your students you know I can see that when you're at fair I mean I see you at fair I see you in action like at the county fair level and state fair level I mean you're everywhere and you're like keeping all pieces together, you know, but you're having a really lot of pride just watching them yes. be there. And I love that about, and I think there's somebody who's going to listen to this podcast and really connect to that and know, okay, that's an opportunity for me to continue in stock show in a way that I didn't know. I mean, like Renee Thompson's not out here raising a hundred head of show steers, yeah. the goats. You're out here providing an opportunity in a classroom so that others can connect with the industry and find a way to be in it. Yes. I think that is pretty amazing. I don't know if you think so, but I, I think I, it's pretty cool. I think I um, I feel most of the time like flattered or honored that parents would allow me the opportunity to spend that much time and my husband to spend that much time with their child. Mm -hmm. It is it's flattering, right? Cuz I mean that's that's their pride and joy their whole heart, their everything, right? And they're allowing us the opportunity to guide them, teach them, help them develop a passion, we hope. And I could get, like, really weepy right now yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I think about it, too, and if, if they don't connect it to the livestock world, that they will find that same passion and that same connection in whatever they do discover. Because some people go on and discover microbiology as their favorite thing in a lab work. Right. And I'm like, whew, okay. Yeah. But they will have had this opportunity to figure out what leadership and learning is about. And they can take it and apply it. So it's just really cool. I just think it's so awesome. Yes. I hope you see it too. I, I, hope you, I know you do. But I hope you know people see it too. And I what you take you. for daily work. Because I know teaching in today's world is hard. There's a ton of expectations. It's difficult to connect to kids. They have a thousand different things that pull them away and to think that a barn and pitchfork and things that take us back to our childhood are still what kids crave and go try that just making a difference everybody needs a show pick I I just, right, I or yeah at least an experience where you have to care for something 
Yes. That's not you. Yes. Do you think in 10, 15 years, it'll still be pigs? Do you think your kids have an interest in other things? Are you going to have a 20 herd goats out here? Or you're going to be raising show goats? I mean, is Cameron going to pop up and say, Mom, I want a goat. The girls would like to have horses. Oh, my. That's another whole world. Um, we do not have facilities for horses, but yeah, I, it are. has been proposed that in the yard. <laughs> there's no reason they couldn't keep one in their bedroom. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Which Therapy pony. I That's disagree. <laughs> I did just visit. Uh, it's J term, so we just went to Miracles in Motion. That yes. place is amazing. Um, and they had, of course, mini horses that they take, like, into nursing homes and other places. And I was like, I could see myself having one of those. That was pretty adorable. <laughs> I've asked Carter if he would like to show goats. Um, he would like to show us deer. Yeah. Um, we would need to build, we would need different fencing and, and yeah. a bigger space in the barn. But I, I at least have experience with that. Yes, and I, you do. I, I could, I could. You be you could be the leader. Understand that. it yeah. at least, um, but I don't think he knows. I am amazed at these these stock kits that have, you know, steers and heifers and multiple, you know, like that they're and they're taking them shows all the time. That the investment of time, we invest a lot of time in our pigs. The time investment that it takes for cattle mm-hmm. is. It's com- it's a commitment. It's it leaps is. and bounds more, and and the money commitment too. I mean. Yeah. It, it, I'm I'm impressed by that. Yeah, and I I would explore it. Yeah. We probably wouldn't get anything fancy or anything until we knew that he was passionate about it. But um, most kids who do like one species and they do it really intently love to have that secondary thing because when you kind of get masterful over here, it's something new to learn over here. And they a lot of pig people that I talk to are like they like the physicality of showing sheep or goats, like the hands-on connection. Yes, and like. Uh, that makes total sense. Yes, they like just the diverse diversity of it. So I think I bet he would be interested. And even cattle, it's you know, it's I mean, it's not as hands on as far as bracing or that kind of thing. But it is a little. It's hands on when you lead and yes. you know, you're t- brushing and all that kind of stuff day to day. But I don't know. I think it's a great option for people who are really really good at one thing. It just almost mentally gives you an opportunity to not be so good no expectations right just grow right grow and learn with that animal yeah yeah and grow and learn in that project too and then yeah they say that really good hog people really good cattle people are really good hog people because they get the details yes and the pigs require the details just like the cattle require the details and now i'm telling you the sheep and goat people are catching right up because the details yes are really i mean in the last i'd say five to eight years how people care for sheep and goats is so different one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That is like ramped up. Like everybody's ramped up. I, yeah. I've been very surprised. It's been even longer than ten years. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's been, but I think it was before we were married that Jim was like, I don't know. I think this goat thing's gonna explode. We should maybe get into that. And I was like, we're not getting into goats. Goats are not gonna be a thing. <laughs> I was wrong, and you I was so wrong, wrong very quickly. Like within the within the next three years, it really started to like yeah ramp up. And yeah, now they're. I mean, they're fancy. They've got I hair and they've got... I love it. Goats are so fun. Like, if you love to fit cattle, it's so fun to fit goats. Because it's just, like, smaller and faster. Yeah. Yeah. They I, have cute personalities, I think. Oh, a ton of personality. Yes. Some better than others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had my share of, of kids that show goats where I have, you know, I'll have to go out and tag them. Um, but nothing surprised me more than the sheep and goat weigh in 
at Johnson County Fair the first year I had a kid down there because when they weigh them in initially, they're not broke yet. No. And, and basically just kids dragging them. dragging them across the floor because they won't Or they're move. carrying them. Yeah. <laughs> they will not move. They will not get up. They're like, whatever, you have to pull me over there if you're going to get me onto that scale. So it, it was a different experience. Yeah. It is fun, too. Yeah. Tell me about 2023. What's the, what do you guys set for your students as goals? Or do you do goals? We do. We actually, so in FFA, you have to create a program of activities at the beginning of the year. So, Which your year starts J1, January 1 or September 1st? School year or? I always talk about it like school year. Uh-huh. Our reporter scrapbook runs January through December. Okay. Um, our fiscal year runs July through June. June. Mm-hmm. So it's a crazy mess, but um, it would be school year wise our officer team is elected at the end of april beginning of may and then over the summer they work on revising our program of activities and uh we have to have it submitted to the state by november 1st with our new roster of kids that doesn't mean kids can't join after that but we have to have our finalized roster quote-unquote to the State, state and national FFA by November 1st. Delinquent de- by December 1st. <laughs> we were on time as you Of course said. you were. Yeah. I didn't expect anything less. Um, but uh, the program of activities kind of lines out like, okay, here's everything we're going to do for the year, and here's our goal within each thing. So why do we do this? Usually it includes like how many of our members we want participating in that. We also realize that these kids are in everything. Yeah. My most active members also, some of them are working almost 40 hours a week. They shouldn't maybe be, but they are, and they're handling it well. Or they're in every sport, or at least one per season. Some of them, when it comes springtime, are in golf and soccer. Or or, softball practice, track, all those kind of things. Or they have a league uh, volleyball that they travel around with. So they're in... Everything. So we know that 100%, if we wrote down 100% chapter membership uh, participation for every activity, we, that's not going to happen. So, yes, we, I think our biggest goal this year was more um, so increased transparency um, between the officer team and the other members of the chapter. Um, mostly because there's so many times where Leadership plans everything, mm-hmm. and then the membership shows up, and they're like, we don't like this. We didn't buy into it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they wanted, like, okay, if you don't like it, like, what do you want to do, and what do you what do you want to see at this event, or, or that kind of stuff. I our, our most popular event, the one that everyone wants to participate in, is Ag in the Lot, and that's when we go to the elementary mm-hmm. school and uh, do stations. Um, our biggest problem is simply trying not to fight over <laughs> who gets to bring theirs. Oh. Like, I, I have a four-wheeler also. How come I don't get to bring my four-wheeler? Um, or, <laughs> but I just got a baby goat, and I want to bring my baby goat. Like, yes. And then balancing that out also with the teachers. The teachers love it, but if we have too many stations, yeah. they're only allotted 45 minutes to come out there. So they can't make it all the way around. So how do I get all of the members who want to be there, participate, 
and bring their thing and, and not have a hundred places for these teachers to drag their preschoolers through third graders around to. Other than that, officer transparency in terms of planning all of our things. And then our other goal was record books. Because mm -hmm. uh, a record book, unlike Cedar County 4-H, you know, you have to turn in yeah. your, your record book or you don't get to participate at fair. Well, not everybody is motivated by that in FFA because they're not showing. Right. Like, their SAE is working at Hy-Vee. Yeah. And they don't feel the need to fill out a record book for that. And I don't grade it right now because we don't have, we call it an affiliated membership, meaning that everybody that takes an ag class is in FFA. So I don't have that. So only about 60% of the kids in my classes mm -hmm. are FFA members. Right. So I can't necessarily grade record books because... They're not directly related to the coursework. Right? Yeah, like there's kids in there that wouldn't have one, and then what do I give them to yeah. do? Then we'll come to the the time to get a chapter degree, and they're like, well, I'm going to get a chapter degree. And we have to be like, well, you didn't uh, do a record book. You don't have any records, so I can't give you a degree because on paper you've done nothing to earn your um, So keeping those updated so we don't have to backlog like what you have done. I don't think it's been going all that well, <laughs> but hey, that is the important part too, Your Honor. But we because there's always time for correction. Yes, a little uh, uh. because I think everybody has an expectation or some kind of vision. Maybe if it's not a defined goal, but a vision of what they would like it to be. And if they don't, then they kind of have seen somebody else's and they're trying to mirror or whatever. And if it's not going well, there's a lot of lesson in that to yes. figure out how to correct and to maybe get back on track or. Was it what we really wanted in the first place? You know, there's a lot of personal growth in that. And it's... Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's very important also. I You notice that I didn't... I don't have personal goals for these kids. Right. You can't. No. Mm -hmm. So we come up with goals that they think we should have. Mm -hmm. And in terms of accountability, that makes it better. Um, in terms of evaluation, that makes it better for them as well. And in terms of my sanity, yeah, <laughs> because if I had personal goals, I would, I, you know, I don't need to feel like I'm failing all the time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I of course have personal goals for myself as a teacher and as yeah. an advisor, but not for them. No, um, I think that's important. I think it's a, I'm a leader in my, in what I do. I, you know, and my personal belief is leadership actually serves the bottom up. And if your leader isn't serving from the bottom up, that's why I like your transparency, leadership team transparency. Because if the leader, I always say, if the leader doesn't know what the least of us wants and needs, how can you best serve? And in the stock show world, that's so evident. If the leader is just forcing the goal down the child's throat, and you see this all the time with parent to child or sometimes, because the most successful people that I talk to have said, my parents stood back and let me, they gave me opportunity, they guided me, but let me own it. So I see that carrying over from your ad classroom into whatever these kids want to do. Yes. It's hopefully, hope so. yeah, hopefully can keep an environment that, I mean, if they go into politics or if they go into teaching or if they go into being a parent, it will serve them for the, their whole life. I think it's a great strategy to, they may think right now it's just a matter of, who gets to bring the four-wheeler and right. talking about right. it earlier in the year. Right. But it, honestly, it's a great strategy yes. to teach from beginning of their 14 years, you know, 14 to 18 years with you because it's such a life strategy. Whether you're on a committee or whether you elevate yourself and you're the president of, you know, 
the FFA program of the United States, you right, know, the right. whole program. I mean, you have to serve the people, and yet, the only way you can do that is with transparency, communication, and, you know. Yes. I'm looking back on it. Yeah. 100%. I, I, yeah. You, you've covered it. Yeah. Leadership, bottom up. Bottom it, up. Yeah. I, I wish it all could happen like that. Like, yeah, like, like, just, this is how it's going to be. And, yeah, like, and yeah, it, yeah, will. it will be like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Oh, my gosh. No. Thank you for being a part of this community and stock show, of being so influential with these kids and showing them, because I know you have kids coming out, and I'm just thinking of, like, Ethan Fetzer, who has been through your program, and now he is starting his own program, or, like, Katie Edge, or these, I mean, I just look at these kids, and they're taking what you've been teaching them, and it's just going to be this trickle effect. And I that so. is what it's all about, right? And we're using stock show. We're using pigs or we're using chickens or goats or whatever they come up with to make it all happen. You and I know that little secret, so I'm glad you're sharing it with others, too. It's crazy. I know. What, all schools should be based on... They should all have animals. a chicken farm. Yeah. And raise their own eggs, for God's yeah. sakes. They yeah. can feed them in the kitchen. I don't understand why we don't. Yeah. Anyways, so thank <laughs> you for being willing to say that with a, and talk about it today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. That was an awesome episode of Ladies in the Lead, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to it. I want to thank Austin Garner for being my audio producer. I'm your host, Joan Garner. I want to encourage you to check out Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Ladies in the Lead, and you're going to want to like and follow along. Of course, you can always check out shestockshows.com to see uh, any updates or if you need to contact me, or you can use my Facebook, Joan Garner. We'd love to have feedback and we'd love to hear from you all. You guys have a great week. We'll see you out on the road.